Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome in to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. The official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans. A podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. It's time to flock up. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of your New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm Gus Kattengell, joined by Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. Coming up next segment, Les East of Crescent City Sports and an author as well. He's going to give us his thoughts on the team, the rotation, the trade deadline, and more importantly, the road trip. As the Pelicans begin game one of four straight on the road before the Mardi Gras break. Well, actually, the Mardi Gras trip before the All-Star break. So they take on the Clippers tonight. We'll touch on that. Plus, it is Western Conference Wednesday. That means something very special to Jim. First and foremost, Jim, you remember what it was like the last time the Pelicans played back on Monday, don't you? I do. It was fun. I think it was one of the most fun nights of the season. I mean, there's been several, and we talk about this with Les East later in the show about how many you know one-sided wins they've had, but uh, that was that was great. And I I noted during the fourth quarter that you know a lot of times when you have a home game and you're up by a million points, a lot of people leave. Yeah. And some people did leave, but I felt like a lot of people stuck around because they were just having a blast watching even that second and third unit do what they did in the fourth quarter and nobody wanted to miss anything that was just how much fun that game was no doubt people wanted to watch history as brandon ingram knocked down eight three-pointers five in a row there at the end of the third quarter give a listen latter stages of the third quarter here ingram right at the top just pop a wide open three why not brandon ingram ingram stop pop straight away three yes b x i Brandon Xavier Ingram, 32 for Ingram, five made threes, Pell's up 96-64. Now Alvarado splits defenders, hangs in the air to Dyson, back to B.I., fly by, left wing three. Oh, cook him, cook him, cook him, B.I. He's cooking. He's not cooking him, he is cooking. 35 for Ingram. Why not? Get some more, B.I. Season high is 40. Get some oh, more. Oh, he checked. He checked. He checked. He checked. He checked. Deep three from Mectree. 102-67, 38 for Ingram. One more bucket gives him 40, which would tie his season high. It's 102-69. Well, you're going to have to set a screen to get him open. Ingram left wing for three. There it is. Brandon Ingram doing the Lord's work out here, working them over, baptizing them. Season high, 8-3, season high, 41 points for B.I. Head coach Willie Green after the game had this to say on B.I.'s night. Uh, dominant performance by Brandon. Um, when he shoots the ball like that, he's capable of doing that night in and night out. Uh, you know, they, it puts the game away, and that's what he did. And then... Just the, the total effort from our group, from wire, you know, from the start of the game, it was a wire-to-wire business-like mindset, knowing that we're getting ready to go on a tough road trip. So, you know, 
credit to the guys in the locker room for coming out and playing hard, playing together, playing with joy. It was fun to watch. As for B.I. It just felt good coming off my hands. I knew once I made that, uh, that bank three that I was feeling pretty good. Um, the ball just kept finding me, and I was able to find an open look. Tell you what, Jim, you and I enjoyed it. Zion Williamson enjoyed it as well. You got to give 14 a ball just let him go to work because he going to make the right play. Whether he whether he's, like, shooting like that or if it's just another game where it's, like he just kind of on pace to do what he usually do, he always going to make the right play. Um, but when he when he was doing that, it was just nah, find him. It seemed like everything he was throwing up was was going in uh, from the start of the game. But uh, that's just great energy. Like it's a long season, so when you have moments like that, it definitely brings the team closer together. And ever the team leader C.J. McCollum says, "You see, that's why we keep telling him to take more threes." I think it's really encouraging for him, uh, understanding that he puts the work in to shoot them you know, behind closed doors and just continue to take him in public, take him in, uh, in the games and do what you do. You know, the middies are still going to be there for him. He's still going to be able to get to the cup and he's going to have to take some tough ones. But it's about really taking advantage of them, catch and shoot. The reason you get them, you got to take them. And then it opens up the floor for everybody, it opens up the spacing, especially when Z's down there, when JV's down there. If he's taking those threes and then getting downhill, um, now he's a three-level scorer and he's a high-level three-level scorer. So, Jim, here's the thing, right? I mean, obviously, there's there's numbers, there's things to back it up, and there's reasoning behind this team wanting to be a three-point shooting team. In today's NBA, you have to do that. Listen to what head coach Willie Green has to say about the science behind why they keep saying that. They're not just going out there and saying, go jack up some shots. Listen. For sure. It's definitely not just a leap of faith. Um, there's analytics that go behind it and there's film work that we put in and then there's work that we get on we get on the floor and we work towards how do we generate these type of shots for our team and so all of those combinations and then you win like you did, did tonight allows our guys to see why we want to take you know 40 you know 38 43s a game because we shoot a great a good percentage and we have guys that are capable of making those shots it's hard to beat us when we are so what do you make of that when Willie Green says, hey, look, we, we practice it, we talk about it, we show it, how to get open looks? Because sometimes I guess as fans or even media go, we'll just go take a three. It's interesting to hear a coach say they're being very specific on how to open up, how to get people open, and, and to start looking for the three-point shot. I, there was a lot of science and, I guess, reasoning behind that, which I, I, I love to hear. Yeah, I, I hear coaches all the time say that there's different types of threes. There's, you know— you don't necessarily want – it's good to have players that can shoot pull-up threes, that can dribble into shots and make those. But what you really want more of is just the drive and kicks the, where you're getting into the paint, you're kind of collapsing the defense and then kicking it out to somebody who's open. And, I mean, the philosophy in general about taking more threes is is almost like basic math in terms of obviously three is worth more than two. We see teams – Phoenix is a good example right now where they have two of the best mid-range shooters in the game, but sometimes they lose by – a close margin because all they took or the vast majority of the shots that they took were 18 to 20 footers. And yeah. you might have the greatest mid range shooter in the game, but if you have a pretty good three point shooter against that, you're going to be able to win that math battle. So it is interesting the way that the game has evolved. And for Ingram, I think too, it's not just, you know, obviously the added points of he made eight, three pointers in the game Monday and ended up with 41. Whereas if he had just taken mid range shots, he would have probably ended up in the mid thirties, maybe or the, lower thirties. It's also just the fact that you have to respect him out there. And the fact that you have to run at he, he makes four or five of those in a row. And all of a sudden you're right. running at him instead of saying, understanding the scouting report on him, that he's a pretty reluctant three point shooter. So you don't really have to worry about it as much. You now, go. now you're running at him and all of a sudden now he has driving lanes and he, the way he's been passing the ball as well in that third quarter, he had 20 points, but he also had five assists, which is incredible. Just the talent that that guy shows. I think that everyone realizes that even though it might not be in his total comfort zone to be taking six, eight threes a game, right. if he can get closer to that, I think it'll help him and the team overall in a lot of different ways. But that's ways. what CJ was saying, and that's what I've been saying on the talk show here as well, Jim, that I think for him to go to the next level of player, which would be elite, an mm -hmm. elite player in today's NBA is that threat, right? When I close my eyes and think of tonight's opponent, the, the beating that the Clippers provided the Pelicans here in the blender – 
Paul George was shooting threes, right? Kawhi Leonard was knocking down threes. You know, the beard does threes. That element of his game, because you, you just said it with the Suns guys, one of the best statistically, one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA is Brandon Ingram. Right. So if he adds the three-point shot, it, it just it creates even more space because you you just said it. You have to now run out there and do it. And if that could become second nature to him, that takes him from a 20, 25-point score to now you're in the mid-30s simply by making one or two extra shots that are a little bit further along than where he's at. And that's the big difference, I, I think, in today's NBA, but especially with him. If he wants to go to that next level, it's this. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see how he carries this over to this road trip and including the game Wednesday against the Clippers. I mean, no one's going to expect him to start averaging five three-pointers made per game from here on out. But it's going to be Steph Curry. Right, right, if he can up that a little (laughs) bit, that'd be great. And I think it is interesting, too, specifically against the Clippers. He's had 30-plus points in three of his last four games against the Clippers. And even though the most recent game against L.A. here was ugly from the standpoint that L.A. took over the game and dominated, and it was very one-sided. Before that, there was a really long stretch where New Orleans was pretty dominant against the Clippers. You know, they it was something like 8 of 10 that they had won over the last few seasons. So for whatever reason, he's been really good against the Clippers. And other than, I, I guess, just like the team overall, he didn't have a, a great game against L.A. in the loss in January. But be, before that, he had three games in a row where he was mm-hmm. at 30-plus. So... Um, he's been really good against them, in, including in Crypto.com Arena. I mean, he's familiar with that arena when it was by a different name and he yeah. was on a different Los Angeles team, but he just seems to do well. So I'm curious to see. That's one of the things that I had in the FanDuel keys to the game tonight is just the matchup between Brandon Ingram and the Clippers defense. It's going to be interesting. Then you have the old NBA trade deadline tomorrow, how it affects a lot of the NBA. And it's sandwiched between two games. And the team that the Pels are going to be playing on Friday, the Lakers, you know LeBron's going to want to move or two. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting, right? I mean, who, who do they play? Because they actually play Thursday night against Denver. So right. they'll be on the back-to-back. Mm-hmm. I wonder if LeBron and AD play. Or they don't, or they rest yeah. and wait for the Pels. Do they play on the back-to-back? Now, I know they've been doing that as of late, where LeBron said, I'm playing the, the next day of a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. But you just kind of wonder, especially with the trade, if there's a player or two that they move, is there a player, it, it, they're going to be ready for the Pels, all that. So it's, it's a very strange two-game, three-day news cycle, if that it, makes sense. Yeah, it really is. You know, by the way, too, I like the fact that the Pelicans aren't playing on Thursday because there's been seasons where they've played a game on that day and it's just made for like a crazy yeah. hectic too much to comprehend day so it's going to be nice tomorrow to be able to just kind of kick back and and watch the trade deadline shows yeah. and see what happens but you're right I, I mean I'm not going to even try to predict what the Lakers are going to do in terms of who's going to play which games and like you said they're going to have their game against Denver is basically seven or so hours after right. the trade deadline so it's I mean, if they make a couple trades, that, that'll affect that game a ton and may even affect the game Friday as well because they might have a situation where they don't have players that they traded for who are eligible to play. That's what I'm getting at. By right. Friday. Yeah. No, you're right. So it could affect depth and all that. So that's why it, I'm wondering because of that and when you're going to see it again, that, that's the Nuggets are, you know, pretty good team. Quality team, yeah. yeah defending <laughs> NBA champions. <laughs> yeah. And you know the NBA probably once. I, I didn't check, but it's Thursday, so my guess is it's probably nationally televised. Yeah, game. it's a TNT game. <laughs> there it yeah. Is. So, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, the, the commission is pacing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, too, because um, I know I'm not sure how the Lakers see that game. And I, I know today we're going to talk a lot about the Clippers specifically, but we'll talk more about the Lakers on Friday. But I do think it's interesting that in terms of the Pelicans and the rest of the season, and we're going to talk about this in Western Conference Wednesday a little bit more towards the end of the show. But I think you could make the case that Friday's game against the Lakers in terms of the cushion that the Pelicans hopefully are trying to build between them and ninth and 10th place. The game on Friday to me is the most important game. I've they're going to play it. for the next couple months. I've been saying and, it. And think about this too, Gus, in terms of that group of teams that are um, basically seven through 10 right now, um, Pelicans are seventh. Dallas is eighth. Lakers, I think are ninth still mm-hmm. jazz 10th. The Pelicans are done with the jazz. They're done with the Mavericks. They don't play either of those teams again. They play the Lakers Friday, and they don't play the Lakers again until game 82. Last and game then here. you're talking about the 11th place team, which is Golden State. Pelicans don't play them again until game 81. Mm. So the the last two games of the season, they play teams that right now are in ninth and 11th place. So 
basically what I'm trying to say is the game Friday to me might be the most important game they play over the next, even like the next month or two in terms of trying to add a little cushion and add a little uh, security to the position that they're in and ahead of those teams, because it's the only head to head game you play against that entire group between now and April 12th at Golden State and then April 14th, last game of the season against the Lakers here. There it is. Looking forward to it. Hey, let's bring in Les East, our guest, coming up next segment as we discuss a various number of topics with him. Time to welcome in our guest for today's podcast, and it is the incomparable. Uh, I, I, I ran out of things to say other than that. I think incomparable is pretty good, Mr. Les East, isn't it? That's very good. I appreciate the compliment, Gus. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Yeah. Yeah. Les, I, I like that as well. I think that's a pretty, pretty, uh, lofty way to describe you and very accurate as well. Les. Well, um, I could, I could have just started by saying author Lessies. Do you go by that? Like, you know, in Seinfeld, the guy like to be called conductor. Do you refer to yourself as author Les East as well? I haven't yet, but I think maybe I need to start doing it. <laughs> I could maybe start talking about myself in the third person. Yes. Like George did for a while. <laughs> I would love that for sure. Give Les a follow, by the way, over on X or Twitter, whatever makes you feel comfortable, at Les, L-E-S, underscore East, as in the directions. That's how it e- goes. So. Excellent. Well, we wanted to start with the author, Les East. There we right? go. I just want to come in. great? It, it really sounded does, amazing. Yeah. I wanted to come in hot with you, Les, and start with one of the things that Willie Green talked about um, Sunday after practice was just the difficulty that he has in trying to determine, you know, if I'm going to narrow this rotation down to nine or 10 guys, that's going to leave out a couple people. Um, I started a Twitter uh, brawl by even just, I, I was just trying to post the quote and just explain the simple situation. And then there was fights and you know, fisticuffs cuffs everywhere between fans. So I feel like no matter what you say, there's going to be people that are upset with you. But any, anyways, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about um, if you're if you're the coach, what would you do? What, what what would you what would be some of the decisions that you would make with the rotation? And how difficult do you think that is right now for Willie Green? Yeah, it's an interesting topic, Jim, because, uh, you know, about a week and a half or so ago at practice, I think it was right before the last road trip, the same topic got brought up and, you know, I, Willie was talking about it and I kind of asked him, uh, you know, is that sort of an art, you know, figuring out the right combinations, which players fit together the best and when to use them during the game and, Mm -hmm. you know, not just skills, but also personalities and how their games mesh and stuff like that. And he said, yeah, it is sort of an art, but he said it's also science because you look at the, the statistics for a foundation, I, I guess like plus minus numbers, and you got to be able to, you know, have a complete team on the floor, no matter what the combination is. So I think it's a lot more complicated than a lot of us can really appreciate if we don't have to do it. Sure. It's easy to, to watch the game and say, Oh yeah, this guy should get more or fewer minutes, but it's not that simple. And so I think what the Pelicans have done fairly well, this is a credit to some of the bench guys is that 
you look at the San Antonio game last week and Jose Alvarado had, had kind of gotten squeezed out of the rotation for a while. They bring him in in the third quarter to try and get a spark. He plays well and winds up, you know, being a key player down the stretch because he stayed ready. And we saw Jordan Hawkins do that when his minutes faded for a while and he stayed ready. So uh, when you're trying to get to a nine or 10 man rotation and you have, you know, 12 to 14 guys who can contribute, it's really difficult. And a couple of guys are always going to be on the outside looking in, but that's going to evolve over the course of time and have to stay ready. And I think, this is the time of year when a lot of teams are trying to zero in on what they want to use as their rotations down the stretch and into the postseason if they get there. And so, you know, I, I think it's going to be a work in progress for a while, even after the All-Star break. And then it's still because of injuries and rest, it can change from night to night. Matchups mm-hmm. can change that as well. So I, I think this is constantly going to be involved, evolving uh with the pelicans but i do think you know a couple of things to look out for is maybe naji marshall and dyson daniels or a couple of guys who might see their minutes go up at some point because willie keeps talking about the need uh to play consistent defense and how that impacts our offense and i think those are two guys who can bolster the defense off the bench so i i think you might see them get a closer look here uh, coming up and then you know how it works out is ultimately going to term, determine what they do down the stretch you know it's it's tough for certain individual players when you're on a team where like you said less there might be 12 to 14 guys that deserve playing time it's tough if you're quote unquote the 11th man or the 12th man in that position because you don't know from night to night whether you're going to play or not but on the other hand to me like to add some context to this and maybe this is just because i've been here for quite a while when I hear people say, you know, they need to cut back uh, or they, you know, it, it, when we're, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline, but when people say, you know, it's not good to have that many guys who can contribute because you want to have it be like, okay, here's our eight or nine best guys. And it's very clear cut to me, having gone through the last bunch of years where you had injuries and then you're, you're searching for answers to me, it's going to, it's really going to be impossible. I mean, I'll admit this flat out. I don't think I'll ever going to get to the point where I'm going to be like, Oh, they have too many good players. They have too many guys that can contribute because I feel like you always have to be ready. You always have to be in a position where if you have some guys out, especially in 2024 NBA, that you're, you have solutions that you're not just kind of searching for answers the way some teams across the league are. Yeah, that definitely falls under the category of a good problem to have Mm -hmm. uh, because, like you said, you can never have too many good players. I don't think you can ever have enough good players. But I think David Griffin and his staff have done a pretty good job uh, of putting together a complete roster. You know, if you have – if your bench is comprised solely of defensive players or solely of three-point shooters, that's not really going to get you to where you need to be you got to be able to mix and match and go deep into the bench sometimes uh, because you need defense at a certain point in the game where you need rebounding or you need outside shooting or you need ball movement, whatever it might be. So you have to have a variety of skills that you can lean on coming off the bench. And then, you know, you're going to want to rest people down the stretch. Inevitably guys are going to miss sometime because of injuries so far this year it's been better for the pelicans and hopefully that continues but you know jose alvarado missed a lot of time and that's part of the reason why he's had trouble getting the type of minutes that he's gotten in the past when larry nance has been out that's a major problem because he's your number two center Mm -hmm. you don't have as many options there as you do when say a wing is unable uh to participate you know trey murphy is really a six starter, but when he was sidelined at the beginning of the year, that created some problems. It also created opportunities, and that's when we discovered that Jordan Hawkins was was really going to be able to contribute as a rookie. So, yeah, it's definitely a good problem to have, and much better than the alternative where you dread having to put that ninth or tenth or eleventh person into the game. Yeah, you know, you mentioned less how. The, the part about the front office creating a, a complete roster, I feel like 
Larry Nance and Jonas Valanciunas are a good example of you have two guys at the same position, but they have completely different traits and completely different strengths. So depending on the situation or the matchup, you always have one guy or another that you can go to. I feel like it's that way at other positions as well. You know, for example, at, at shooting guard, you have C.J. McCollum and then and Dyson Daniels sometimes where it's like one guy is definitely more of an offensive player at, in terms of his biggest asset and strength and the other guy is more of a defensive player. So I think it's it's good to have, like you said, all these different options and different directions that you can go, especially at the end of the game where sometimes it comes down to you just need a defensive stop or you need the biggest basket of the game. So I think that part is all valuable. Um, you know, obviously the trade deadline is tomorrow and I always say to people, I don't want to, I don't want to put them on the spot and have them make a prediction in terms of what's going to happen. But based on the Pelican situation in general and their roster that we've just talked about for the last few minutes, what, what do you lean more towards? Do you lean more towards that they'll, they'll make a move or they'll do something significant? Or do you think that it's more likely that they kind of stick with what they have and try to go forward over the last couple of months with this uh, group of guys? Yeah, I'd be surprised if they made a significant move. Now, you, you always listen when people call and, and you, you, you talk and you negotiate and you see what's out there because somebody may knock your socks off mm-hmm. with something you didn't anticipate. And all of a sudden you find yourself doing something significant that you didn't really think was going to happen. But I think it's unlikely that that's going to evolve. They, they could tinker with this depth a little bit and maybe um, move somebody uh, and get something comparable in return, or maybe they could package some of those draft picks to get another part of the rotation. But we've been talking about how they have more than enough guys uh, on the roster to to give them the depth they need. So I, I don't think they feel an urgency to make a move there. And, you know, going back to media day, David Griffin said this season, is really about hoping that this core can stay together for the whole season so that they can see what they actually have. They believe they have a very good group of players that can be successful if they can stay together. Well, so far this year, they've been able to keep them together for the most part. And at times, it's looked really good. There have been a few bumps in the road, but at, at times, they've looked really good. So why not ride it out and have an entire season if this run of health continues and see exactly where this group can take you? And then if it's not what you think, then the off season is when you look at making a significant move. But I think to, to do something that disrupts what they've been building with this group in the middle of the season when they're in a pretty good position already, I, I just don't think makes a lot of sense unless the value is just too great to pass up. And I, I just don't see that happening. One of the biggest topics of the end, last NBA offseason was the implementation or introduction of the player participation policy. Mm. And I guess as we start to look ahead at this road trip that the Pelicans begin Wednesday night against the Clippers, the Clippers' two star guys with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were kind of the poster children for the policy. It seemed like every article, and this was something that they noticed and didn't like, Every article that was posted last season about the new NBA policy kind of had their picture in it. It was kind of like, okay, these are the two guys that represent the way that the NBA wants to change things. And it's interesting to me, they played, those two guys played a combined 108 games all of last season. They're already at 91. Wow. We're not even at the All Star break right now. Um, Kawhi played 52 last season. He's at 45 so far. So, Les, I guess what I wanted to ask you and, and get your thoughts on was just. What are your thoughts about those new rules, those new guidelines? Um, how much do you think that's impacted the league this year, and how much has it helped it? And, and is it something that you liked when you first heard about it? And in terms of, um, has it been more effective than you thought? What, what do you think, just overall, about the way that that's come into place this season? Yeah, that's really tricky. In, in theory, I certainly like it. I think most people do, but. In practice, it gets a little more complicated. And I, I think we're really dealing with, with two different things here. And the NBA is trying to figure out how to legislate both of them, which is, I, I think, an, an admirable, admirable goal. But I'm not sure that uh, it, it's that easy to do because, one, you're talking about, and I think uh, 
George and Leonard both fall into this category. When you have guys coming back from surgeries and major surgeries and, and Trey Murphy would be an example on a re- relatively minor procedure, you know, guys are coming back from surgery. You know, you have to kind of bring them along gradually and periodically we saw this happen with Trey with mm-hmm. some soreness develops and you, you have to give them some time off here and there as part of the recovery process to get them back to where they can play with more regularity. Then we get back to the load management thing and, and the famous Greg Popovich, you know, calling guys old as the reason for not playing <laughs> on a given night. Right. You know, if you just giving the guys a night off, that's a little bit different and it's tougher. You know, when you're, you know, fans are buying tickets to see a specific player and then he's given the night off to rest and the fans don't get to see him after they bought the tickets, that creates another layer to this whole thing. So I think for the most part, it's worked out pretty well, maybe a little bit better than I would have anticipated going in. But there are always going to be complications where people are going to say, uh, you know, why is this person getting rested? Or they're going to think somebody's getting rested, and really it's something that's dictated by the medical staff because it's part of the recovery process. So it's just like the rotation thing we talked about. I think it's a lot more complicated than it might appear on the surface. But overall, I, I think the NBA had noble intentions, and I think so far they're doing a pretty good job with what is a kind of a thorny thing to implement. You know, it's interesting because how many years, Jim, in, unless you guys are better with numbers, I mean, but it was almost, what, two years since the Pelicans fans saw Steph Curry, right, with, with the Warriors because they had so many games last year yeah, it was, where literally they sat all their it was starters. Pre-co- it was pre-COVID that he yeah. had played in a game with, like, full. he, he played a couple games during the season with restricted attendance. But right. Yeah, it's been, it'd been four or five years for him playing here. Yeah, and that, that that's a good example, Gus, because... You know, last year, that, and I think that's the thing they're trying to get away from is where a team just says, okay, we're going to rest our five best players in the same game. Mm-hmm. And that happened twice in New Orleans last year. And I think the Pelicans beat the Warriors by 30-something both times because they were playing a G League team. Right. And and that that's the thing I think they want to get away from is where, one, it, it's an uncompetitive game, and secondly, it, it's a – it's not the experience that the fans were hoping for. So I think in those cases, if, if one or two guys rest one game and you try and rest the other guys in the next game or two and spread it out so that you not only give the fans a chance to see somebody, maybe it's Clay Thompson and not Steph Curry, but whoever, at least you have they can see one of the stars they came to see. And at the same t- time, you can put a more competitive unit out there and hopefully provide a more entertaining game for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think people have kind of downplayed or underestimated too how much that those decisions kind of tamper with the season product. I'll give you an example too. At the end of the regular season last year when the Pelicans were in that that fight for, you know, are they going to finish 7, 8, 9, they ended up ninth. In the last weekend of the season, the Suns sat pretty much everybody in a game against the Lakers, and the Lakers ended up winning that game to no one's surprise. And it wasn't just that, okay, Phoenix sat Durant and Booker and a couple other guys in that game, and the fans that went to that game were disappointed because they didn't get to see the what they were expecting with Phoenix, but it also had kind of a domino effect on the rest of the West because the Lakers basically didn't even have to earn a huge victory and then they end up as the seven seed. They end up in the Western Conference Finals. It's funny. I mean, we could play the coulda, shoulda, if game all day, but if they ended up as an eight seed last year, they would have played the Nuggets in the first round and probably gotten swept. And it's just it's just interesting to me. I feel like people don't realize how much potential damage you can do to kind of the integrity of even the playoff race by having teams do that where they just decide on their own, okay, this game we're going to sit all of our guys, and it doesn't matter that – you know, what, what impact that has on everyone else. I just don't like that. So I, I, I'm with you a hundred percent on that whole thing less. Um, you know, and, sorry, and that go gets ahead. back to for just for a second, that gets back to the complicated nature of it. Cause I think the NBA should police it differently down the stretch. If you have a team that that's positioned wherever that might be is kind of locked in 
and they want to rest a lot of guys, but it's a game that has a domino effect, like you just pointed out. You, you got to think about the teams that can be adversely affected by their decision, say the Suns, for sure, to rest all their guys on the same night. And it's also hard for a coach. I don't think any coach says, okay, we'll throw away tonight's game so that we're fresh for the next game. Right. I think they look at it strategically and say, well, if we sit all of our guys tonight, that means we're going to be stronger. That's only one game where we're not as strong. And also they can say that's an opportunity for a bunch of other guys to step into bigger roles and let's see how they respond. We might be able to win this game without three or four of our best guys, but it's going to help our younger guys develop by giving them bigger roles. So, you know, there can be a coaching element where where Steve Kerr, whoever the coach is, is trying to minimize the impact of absences on the team and yet use it uh, to develop players farther down the bench. So it's just a lot more complicated than I think uh, a lot of people realize. And I'm not sure any of us realized it until we started putting it under the microscope when it became a a big issue during the offseason. Yeah, you know, Les, in terms of the Pelicans road trip that they're starting tonight against the Clippers, it's interesting. It kind of starts with the toughest opponent in term, on paper and record and pretty much every measurement tonight with the Clippers. Um, I, I guess I, I'm wondering two things. How do you see the importance of this road trip for the Pelicans in general with the season? And what do you think would qualify to you as a successful road trip among these four? It's Clippers, Lakers in L.A., then Portland on Saturday, then Memphis on Monday. Yeah, I think it is important. And I think the primary reason that it's important is because of the series of uncompetitive games that the Pelicans have had of late against some of the better teams in the league. And it started with the Clippers here uh, during that, that stretch of home games. You had the, the Clippers and you had the Suns and you had OKC, uh, OKC, and then when you went to Milwaukee, uh, the ones at home were more disturbing than the one in Milwaukee, but that was not a a good performance either. And so those are games where, you know, they they got down more than 30 points on a couple of those games, including the Clippers. And so when you look at that, I think when you see a pattern developing of being uncompetitive – against the better teams in the league, that sends up a red flag as you get closer and closer to the postseason. So I think for that reason, uh, particularly tonight, is really important. If they go out and compete with the Clippers a lot better than they did the last time, better than they did against OKC and Phoenix and Milwaukee, even if they come up a little bit short, if the performance is much better, I think that's a positive. Uh, I, th- I think you really should be looking at no worse than two and two on this trip. Uh, but, but three and one is what you should be shooting for because uh, the Lakers and Portland and Memphis, those are all games you can win even if you don't win tonight. If you stumble in one of those, being in the midst of a road trip, yeah. two and two I think would be satisfactory. And then we'll, let me throw out one other stat that I, I noticed the other night, and I think this kind of – sums up the Pelicans to this point is that when that, that, that lead the other night against Toronto started approaching 40, uh, I went and looked up the largest margin of victory this year and it had been 36, which was in three games. But then you go back and you look the win in San Antonio was the first time in seven games this season that they won a game decided by three points or less. So what that's telling me is the Pelicans or good enough to dominate teams uh, semi-regularly, but when games are decided by one or two possessions in the final minute, they've been very bad. And so that tells me that the talent is there, the potential is there to be a really good team, but until they are able to figure out how to win the close ones at the end, especially against the elite teams, then their ceiling might be a little lower than we would hope. There's a lot of time for that to change, but I thought looking at those two sets of numbers, I think kind of summed up where they are right now, which is periodically really good and then occasionally 
struggling down the stretch. And that kind of goes in circles back last to the conversation we were having a little bit earlier about rotations, figure out the lineup and all of that. And that incredible problem that now head coach Willie Green has to have where you have guys and everyone's healthy for the most part, right? I mean, it was so funny to kind of hear him say that just a couple of games ago where now the you're trying to figure out who to use, what your rotations are and things of that nature when you predominantly have a healthy roster compared to what you've had in the past. As Jim mentioned, the big three being able to play as many games here in New Orleans, you were talking about the Clippers, Jim, but you know, Zion, CJ and BI have played the most games they've ever played together now. So who works best with them and then having your, your bench guy is healthy, so what are those combinations? It, it it really still is a learning process for this team, as crazy as it sounds, Les. Yeah, it is. But one thing I will say that, that I think Willie and his staff figured out early this season, because particularly Zion and, and, and Ingram had not played together very much at all, and I think that they kind of found the way they want to utilize those two um together and apart and you know zion goes to the bench first in the first quarter they're always going to start the game with those two and they're going to finish the game with those two but i think they've done a good job of identifying when to take zion out in the first quarter when to take ingram out when zion leaves so that you get a lot of minutes early and late with them on the floor together but you also space it out so that one of them is usually on the floor when the other when the other one is resting and that still gives you a dynamic player on the court with some reserves so that you're trying to maximize what you get out of those two guys when they're on the floor together but also when one of them takes a rest and so i think early on they kind of found the sweet spot there and and that i think that's something they'll probably continue with it's filling in around there when you get to those eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th guys, uh, how that's going to work. And I think that's going to remain a work in progress, probably at least into March. He's part of Crescent City Sports, and you can follow the author, Les East, at Les underscore East over on X on Twitter. You like that, bud? I like that a lot. Thanks, Gus. Sounds good. Remember when we see him at dinner, Jim, the next home game on Wednesday. Author, Les East. I definitely will yeah, address yeah. him properly. <laughs> yeah, I think from now on that probably should be the only way. Y'all the only way. <laughs> I agree. The only yeah. way because nothing is uh, nothing says fine dining downstairs there in the, in the dining area than dining with an author. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And y'all are picking up the check, right? <laughs> absolutely. It's absolutely <laughs> gratis. Thank you so much, sir. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe for Mardi Gras weekend, of course, because we know you're a wild one, and we will see you Wednesday against the Wizards. Thanks, guys. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras, Les. All right, our thanks to Les for joining us here on the day, and it's time now for Western Conference Wednesday. Jimothy, go for it. Yes, Gus, and and I said this last week. I want to start with this, or or most weeks, but right now I think one of the key numbers for the Pelicans in Western Conference in the play-in race right now is going into Wednesday's games. They're three games ahead of what I've – described as the play-in danger zone, which is ninth place. So the Pelicans will go into this game tonight three game, three full games ahead of the Lakers. The Lakers are in ninth. Um, obviously, the, on Friday, the New Orleans will have an opportunity to increase that. And the season series against the Lakers is 1-1 as well. So something to look at. Um, I'm not sure what term I need to come up with to describe this, but they're five and a half, Pelicans are five and a half games ahead of 11th place, which is Golden State. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the play in danger zone. I guess that's just the postseason danger zone as far as how many games you are ahead of 11th, because obviously you need to finish in the top 10 to just to get into the postseason. But um, in terms of the team to watch, let me start with the team to watch last week. And I had a pretty good run there for a while where the team that I was picking just seemed to be losing at a pretty steady rate. Um, the team last week was Dallas. They actually started out that way. On Wednesday, they lost at Minnesota by 34. Saturday, they had a big lead against the Bucks and lost by 12. But then the Mavericks kind of bounced back. They beat Philly by 16 without Joel Embiid. They beat the Brooklyn Nets last night by 12. And now Kyrie's back as well. So I think things are looking up a little bit for them. They're Obviously, they went 2-2 two two over the last seven games. They're one and a half games behind the Pelicans. So again... 
a team that we need to continue to keep a really close eye on. Um, their schedule coming up before the All-Star break is a little tougher. Their next two games are at New York and home against OKC on the weekend. So, you know, maybe this will be an opportunity for the Pelicans to gain a little bit of ground on them. We'll have to monitor that and see how it goes. Um, the team to watch this week, and again, I feel like I'm rotating between a, f- a few different teams, three or four different teams, and but for good reason. Sacramento Kings are the team to watch. Right now they're a half game ahead of the Pelicans at 29-20. and 20. I feel like it's been a little bit aggravating if you're somebody who's, as a Pelicans fan or media member, who's been following the standings closely because there's been so, so many times lately where the Pelicans have gotten to within a half game of them or a game and c- couldn't quite you know, get over the top. There's also a few times where Sac- they were exactly tied in terms of games behind, but because Sacramento has played fewer games, the Kings had a better winning percentage. So I'm sure a lot of fans look at the standings and they're like, how come the Pelicans are listed behind Sacramento when they're tied in games behind and New Orleans has a 4-0 head-to-head lead in the season series, and it's only because the um, standings are ordered by winning percentage. So just a small little detail that hopefully will change soon. Um, the week ahead for the Kings, the reason I pick them beyond the obvious of how close they are to New Orleans in the standings, they have one of the tougher stretches I've seen of any team lately. Um, they do start tonight home against Detroit, which obviously they have the wor- Pistons have the worst record in the league. So that's an mm-hmm. easy way to kind of ease your way into the week. But after that, this is where it gets really brutal. Sacramento is home Friday against Denver. Sunday they're at Oklahoma City right before the Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday afternoon game there. Tuesday they're at Phoenix. And then when next Wednesday they're at Denver. So you're talking two games against the Nuggets, one game against the Thunder, and one game at Phoenix, you know, before the All-Star break. So I'm curious to see how the Kings fare during that stretch. They just came off a really good road trip that was impressive um, against some pretty good competition. Maybe not this level of competition that they have coming up, but um, I'll be interested to see because this could be a huge – the Kings could really be kind of the team that plays the biggest role in between now and the All-Star break. Are the Pelicans able to move into the top six or not? Granted, right. we know there's 20-something games left after the All-Star break. It's not that big of a deal if they're in the top six. But just from a from a um, mental standpoint, from just for my, my comfort and for Graf's comfort, it would be nice for New Orleans to move into the top six. And I think Sacramento is a team, if you look at the schedule on paper, that maybe the Pelicans can can pass them if they play well during this road trip and in, in these five games that they have left. No, I'm with you. There was a lot of basketball to go, but it's sort of like when I look at the scale, I want to be under a certain number, even if I'm like, it's the point five just under it. And right. I know literally my next sip of water will put me back over the <laughs> threshold. I don't want to be, I feel good. Just seeing I it. I like right? that analogy. No, it's yeah. true. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I need to always try to stay under 195. So I see that 193 <laughs> and I'm like, babe, there it is. There it is. <laughs> right. And then literally like the next morning I'm one ninety seven. So <laughs> that's, but but that's what it is. That's right? pretty I mean, much exactly is. what I'm what I'm looking at. Because with the standings. it's going yep. to be an up and down thing. We've mm-hmm. talked about this already, and we will as we continue here. It is going to be a fourteen battle, I think, for five and six. I just do. I think there's a fourteen battle for that. I think the four teams above that are already kind of in there. And look, you and I kind of looked at it, and I know there's a game tonight against them. I don't think they're nine and one in the last 10 games, Uh, unless there's an injury that happens to the Clippers. Mm -hmm. I think the Clippers will wind up being the number one seed in the Western conference. Mm. That's just me. Mm. No, I think the best case for what you just said is the fact that if you look at their record over a longer period of time, not only are they nine and one in the last 10 games, but if you go back to the last 20 games, 30, 25 and five, they have the best record in the NBA over almost any segment that you can find Mm -hmm. since basically Thanksgiving or a little bit after that, which was, you know, a handful of games after they made the James Harden trade, they totally took off. So I'm with you on that. Um, I'm curious to see the way some of these other teams handle the last 25, 30 games of the season in terms of, I don't think it's important to Denver that they get a one seed. So that might affect the, the, the way that they, you know, play guys, they maybe sit guys here and there. Um, I don't think it matters to them that much. And then Minnesota and Oklahoma City, I think are in kind of the same boat in terms of they don't have a lot of playoff experience and they're very young guys. This is basically the first time that they think they have a chance to go deep in the, in the playoffs. So um, maybe they do prioritize trying to finish with as high a seat as possible, but you're right though. I mean, regardless of what some of these other teams do, if the Clippers 
keep playing at the rate that they're playing, they're going to be the number one seed. It's just it's just unavoidable. The, the pace that they're playing at yeah. has been extremely impressive, and I count myself as a skeptic of them just in general and after the Harden trade, but I'm totally not that way. I'm totally on board now. I, I'm definitely a believer in them. Like you said, if they stay healthy, they're – they're going to be very dangerous. At Jim underscore I can offer is the way to give a follow over on X. And, of course, NewOrleansPelicans.com. He will give you those five things to keep an eye on and a recap after tonight's game. And when we talk again on Friday, it'll be Jim's favorite team taking on the Pels, the Lakers. <laughs> can't wait for that game. That's I know you be, can't wait for that. It'll be the day be after the trade deadline, so uh, I'm going to have to budget some time. That's going to be a long podcast because we're going to talk about hey, what other teams might have sure. done and all that mm-hmm. stuff, so I'm very interested to see that. 9 o'clock tip time tonight, 8.30 pregame over on the radio and TV. Hope to see you then on Friday right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com. The Pelicans mobile app the iHeartRadio app, or where you get your podcast, And be sure to give Jim and Gus a follow on X at Jim underscore Eichenhofer and GCAT underscore 17. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.